the big deal energy is it allows you to kind of surround yourself in a feeling of capability, but in a way where you really believe it. And if no one else does, it's not your problem. You're listening to Make Some Noise podcast, episode number 392 with guest Aaron King. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you're here. So, so glad. I wanted to remind you that next month in July, I'm doing a free webinar slash workshop. I feel like it's going to be more workshoppy. I like I like it when you all can come to things and not just listen to me talk. Like I want you to actively participate in changing your life, shifting your life. Changing your life is a little dramatic. Shifting your life, learning new things, uh, gaining insight and self-awareness to some things maybe that you want to change, that you want to do better in your life. So it's coming up on July 29th, and it's for people who have pre-ordered my book, Make Some Noise. If you have not pre-ordered it, head over to andreaowen.com slash noise. Or if you already did and you're thinking, how do I get all these awesome bonuses, Andrea, that you speak of? andreaowen.com slash MSN, acronym for Make Some Noise. And you can fill out the little form there and get all your bonuses. So the webinar is called Make Some Noise, Define Your Personal Power to Get More of What You Want. I was going to sing it, but I will I will spare you. I will spare you that. So again, andreaowen.com slash noise to find out and pick where you want to grab the book. I'm so excited for you to read. And then andreaowen.com slash MSN if you have already purchased it, whether it's audiobook, ebook, or print, and grab your bonuses. One quick thing also, I know that I've been repeating it on every podcast intro. If you're not following me on TikTok, it's super fun. I am, they're super short, quick videos. Sometimes I'm funny. I try to be. <laughs> Amateur comedian. I think that even that's a stretch. But uh, it's just a fun app. It, it really is not just teenagers dancing. There is that too. But as I've told you, the algorithm will figure you out. It will show you videos that you like. And it's just fun. It's wildly entertaining. I am over there giving life advice and making fun of the personal development industry a little bit because we can't take it too seriously. And sometimes I repost them over on Instagram Reels, but it will only let you do them if they're 30 seconds or less. And TikTok videos sometimes are one minute. I'm at Hey Andrea Owen on both of those platforms. So come and say hi. Come and say hi. Um, I'm just having a, a whole, whole lot of fun over there, and I would love to see you. <laughs> 
All right, Erin King is here, and you may have seen me talk about her new book on my Instagram stories a couple of weeks ago. She sent me a copy of her book, and I like her so much just as a human. She's fantastic. But I also like her because she and I are a lot alike. So if you like my personality and the things that I teach about, you are going to love this interview and her book. So for those of you who are just hearing about her for the first time, let me tell you a little bit more about her. Erin King is a best-selling author, three times entrepreneur, and the CEO of The Socialite Agency. She's helped clients ranging from the Academy Awards in Hollywood to the United States Navy at the Pentagon communicate more compellingly using her award-winning pub method. She is the author of Digital Persuasion and You're Kind of a Big Deal, which both draw from her personal and professional experiences, having founded three companies before the age of 40. Off-duty, you can find her either mountain biking with her husband, Hartman, FaceTiming with her huge, crazy Irish family, or being an annoyingly extra dog mom to a cavapoo named Betty White. So without further ado, here is Erin. Erin, I finally have you on the show. Andrea, it is so nice to see you. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so stoked to be here. I am so happy you're here too. And I had to cut us off or else we would have just just talked and talked and talked. <laughs> I can tell that you and I are a lot alike. And when I saw the title of your book, I knew that I, I had to have you on because I know that you can see me on video, but the people can't. I'm going to show you this really quick, that I have this, this nameplate oh that says God. I'm kind of a big deal. That's incredible. <laughs> Which is the title of your book. You're kind of a big deal. Level up by unlocking your audacity. Yes. Well, I love that I love you had it. that name tag because that's the whole idea, right? Is to constantly remind ourselves that we have what it takes. We are more than ready and we are going to kill it. We're going to crush it. We're going to do it. We're going to do the thing. And just reminding ourselves <laughs> that's, that's half the battle, right? <laughs> yes. I'm glad I've had a lot of coffee this morning. All right. Can we start by... Can you tell the story that you tell? I feel like it's in the introduction of your book. It might be in the first chapter when you were in a meeting with a bunch of dudes and you had an experience. I know I'm making it sound a lot sexier than it really was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't mean to set it up like that. Can you tell this story for the audience? Oh, sure. Well, uh, let's just flash it back to the year 2014. Um, the hot song on the radio is Taylor Swift's Shake It Off. And the hottest startup in the world, in my opinion, was my startup, which was a tampon delivery service called PMS.com. So we were a dollar shave club for women's monthly healthcare needs. And Forbes magazine called us the tampon fairies because we were period prep magically delivered monthly. Ding. So Perfect. you've ever been that gal reaching into the stall and being like, cute shoes, sorry, this is awkward, you have a tampon. You know, it's like the most uncomfortable position to be in. And so I thought this was a genius yeah. idea. Um, turns out, no, it's not. Most women just get them at the grocery store like a responsible adult. It's not that big of a deal. So uh, the story is before PMS.com, flashing it back to prior to that, where um, I was raising capital from a basically a long boardroom full of Newport Beach alpha bros, the, the cross-fitting, Ferrari-driving, <sighs> super tan yeah. dudes and holding up a tampon, talking things like absorbencies and uh, flow, all kinds of sexy nouns like blood and cramps. And they ended up backing me on this venture, a seven-figure raise for, for the venture. And and you know when I was pitching it, they all looked super grossed out and like they were going to throw up and like vomit their sashimi lunch all over the beautiful, you know, 
conference oh, table. And I remember just like the sweat going down my spanks and being like, what am I doing? And I just like lost all focus. I was like, I'm going to crumble. I cannot do this. I was shaking. And one of the guys grabbed one of the tampons and he threw it at one of the other guys and was like, I dare you to open one dude. And he was like, I dare you. And all of a sudden this tampon hot potato game broke out in the middle of my very important investor pitch. And I remember just thinking to myself, like, this never happens on Shark Tank. Like, the, you know, what is happening? You know? No, th- that happens in fifth grade sex ed classes. Totally. And, and <laughs> in that moment, like, instead of completely just falling apart, I remember thinking to myself, like, why are dudes so good at just making light of a situation? They just don't take it so seriously. They're not afraid of looking stupid or gross. They don't care if it's inappropriate. They don't, they just go for it and they do them. And I call it like a dudeitude. You know, they just kind of really do it. And in that moment, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I have a right to be here just like they do. And I kept doing the pitch and they, they backed me on the, on the, the venture. And it was 18 months of a lot of learning about FDA regulations and Chinese shipping policies and PR and marketing and sales and e-commerce and all the things. And ultimately 18 months later, I had to go back into that boardroom and I had to eat a shit sandwich because not only were we not the next dollar shape club, but, um, I didn't even get them any return on their investment. So it was the, mm-hmm. it was the pretty much darkest, lowest biggest failure of my career. I, I started like losing all my hair in the shower and stopped getting my period and was like, you're such a fucking loser. Why? What's wrong with you? Like, this was so stupid. And um, there was, there was at one point where um, I just realized that, you know, in our darkest, deepest moments, our rock bottom moments, and I've read yours from your books and we've all had that moment. Mine was, I had a hundred dollar cell phone bill that came in and I had been featured in Forbes and I couldn't pay a hundred dollar cell phone bill after all of the mm-hmm work and, you know, all the different jobs. And it's been like 13 years of busting my ass. And I'm like, I can't pay a cell phone bill. Are you kidding me? And that was rock bottom for me. Um, In that moment, I discovered what we often do in our shittiest failures, which is that my superpower was revealed in that dark hour because PMS.com, the company was a disaster, but PMS.com, the community was the internet's largest place where women on Facebook were coming together and sharing brownie recipes and memes and jokes and studies and women were coming together and really connecting. There were millions and millions of conversations. And so I was like, I'm a shitty CEO, but I did manage to build this vibrant social community. So maybe that's what I'm supposed to do with the world. And that discovery and that failure led to starting with one client at my kitchen table. And over the last 10 years, working with some of the world's biggest brands, everyone from the Oscars in Hollywood to the United States Navy, helping them build social media communities. So that was kind of my third time was a charm uh, venture because I had some stuff before PMS.com too that I tried, but it took a lot of rounds. It was painful, (laughs) a lot of debt, a lot of crying, a lot of failure. But if you're in a season right now where you're like out of excuses and you're just looking at yourself in the mirror, like maybe it's you look really hard because that's where you'll find the thing that ultimately will propel you to where I am now, which is writing books and coaching and teaching. And, and my finances are stabilized and my confidence is back and I'm not crying in the bathroom and eating too much, you know, too many peanut butter cups from Trader Joe's or too much wine. I'm just, um, you know, able to sort of help the world with what I know how to do, but I only discovered it by falling flat on my friggin' face. So that's the PMS story. Mm-hmm. I love that story for a couple of reasons. And I don't want to step over the part where you, because I see myself in that meeting and I feel like you're a more composed, maybe professional person, especially in my twenties. I would have lost my shit when the guy started throwing tampons. (laughs) I would have (laughs) so angry and called them immature and stupid. Who knows? I might've been able to hold my composure, especially when, you know, seven figures of, of VC was on the line. I want to just acknowledge not only the confidence that you had, but the ability to pivot 
and sort of, um, and just say like, why not me? Why not me that I can, I can show up and ask for just kind of meet them where they're at for, for, for lack of a better expression, meet them where they're at. So I guess my question is, were you born with that kind of confidence or, or did you, was that a learn type of thing? Like what was going through your mind at that moment? Like what else? You know, I, some people, people do ask me that question. They're like, how did you get that level of confidence? And my cousins used to call me delusionally confident as a child, which I'm pretty sure is a backhanded compliment. I love that term. Compliment. I use you it. Do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a backhanded compliment. I'm not sure it's like the nicest thing to say to someone. Like, why do you think you're so great when you're not? <laughs> you know? But, but you know, I, I don't know. The part of the story I've got to tell you is that um, I grabbed the tampon out of, of his hand and used it as a microphone for the rest of the presentation. <laughs> And a pointer. <laughs> so that's the part of the story. I, I messed up the story, but that that's the part that was kind of like the game changer. But for me, it was like, you know, I guess looking at a situation and just thinking to yourself, okay, there are like literally three options right now. You know, you're mm-hmm. either going to, you know, somehow become some superhero and rise above and become perfectly polished, which is impossible, right? Option number two is you're just going to crumble and cry and run out of the room. Or option number three is you're going to improv this shit. You're going to yes and. You're going to grab the tampon. You're going to, like you said, meet them where they are and you are going mm-hmm. to just not take it so seriously and do your dang best because the thing is, I feel like as women, a lot of us, we, we really, we put in the work. You know, we put in the work to be there. I mean, I had like worked so hard on the idea and the concept and the deck. And when you've put in like a hundred hours working on something, you deserve to get that damn presentation, whether they're listening or not. You deserve to be at that yeah. table. You deserve to, to have your voice be heard because you've earned it. So I think that the key is not like being born with something or you know, reading so many Pinterest glittery coffee cup mugs or incredible books like yours, maybe, but maybe the whole idea is just to know that you've put in the work, you do have what it takes and that, you know, you're not curing cancer, you know, you're not, it's, this is not the end of the world. This is like, you need to show up, do your best and the sun will rise again tomorrow. You know, so I think it's just kind of more perspective and that's the dutitude that I was talking about with guys. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, they can go for it. They can step up. They can, they can do big things, but at the end of the day, I mean, they don't blame they don't blame themselves for the failure. They just blame the thing. They blame it was the pitch or it was the client or it was, it was the, it was the thing. It wasn't them. Whereas women tend to blame themselves. We do. Mm. We do. So I think um, embracing a dutitude, which is mimicking the positive parts of otherwise to- toxic masculinity, I think sometimes <laughs> can be a little dose of just helping us get over that hurdle. I love that. That's a great example of take what you want and leave the rest with toxic masculinity. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I've talked about on the show my mild obsession with Chacha de Gregorio from the movie Grease. I think that she's such a forgotten character and just <laughs> doesn't get enough credit. And symbolically, like her confidence is just off the charts, you know, telling people that she just met that she's the best dancer at her school, snatching the trophy from the teacher and waving it around. Like she just, she doesn't give a shit. And, and I often ask myself, like, what would Chacha do? I was corresponding with this guy. It was this loan thing. And, and I was actually had a conversation with my husband about it because the way he would correspond with me via email was so incredibly different than the way that I correspond with my colleagues and friends that are women. He sent me an email and it was like Andrea with a colon. And it was like, and he had told me he was going to send me this list of paperwork that he needed. And he just listed it out. No, like, here's a list of things I need or like, I hope this email finds you well. None of that. Yes. <laughs> it was just a list. Yes. And you didn't even say like, 
kind regards, Daniel. No, it was just, (laughs) and it struck me that day for some reason. And I just, I just thought to myself, what if I could like the amount of time I would save just by switching up my emails. And anyway, I could go on and on with, with how we are, but I, I love that you focused on that. The perspective of having choices. I, I think in many, many situations we have choices. We can either bet on ourselves or not. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, I just have really come to the conclusion now in my mid forties, where I think to myself, there are very few people who are going to bet on me. <laughs> the list is short. Yeah. You know, it's my closest family and friends. Yeah. Because people are too busy worrying about themselves. I have to bet on myself. I have to. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. what it sounds like you do too in those moments. Do, do your friends and family always bet on you? Um, there's been moments where they haven't, like when my whole life fell apart and I was telling everybody that I was going to become a life coach, they were like, um, (laughs) are you sure? Are you sure you're going to change careers right now? But for, you know, but I find being underestimated highly motivating. Yeah. Yeah. Elwood syndrome. I love a good Elwood syndrome. Mm -hmm. I really do. I, I, I love that so much. And, you know, I was asking you because, you know, my friends and family are, they shoot me so straight and they, they, of course they love me. They back me. You know, my sister's actually here visiting me. I have not seen her since 2019. So I'm thrilled. My family's mm-hmm. coming on Wednesday. Like we're all super tight. We're like, I'm so lucky. I'm so blessed. I love my people. And you are never a prophet in your own land. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so Every time, like, you know, even at Christmas, my family will be like, well, this is our son. You know, he works for Google. This is our daughter. She works for the knot. And then there's Erin, the oldest. She like writes books, but like is on Twitter. Like I, we don't, they tell them what you do, honey. Tell them what you funny do. videos on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think if you sit around, even with the most supportive family and friends, if you sit around waiting for someone to authorize or justify or green light that what you do matters, you are going to be waiting forever and ever. Amen. So I think we do have 100%. to authorize ourselves ASAP. And, and I don't know about you, but it's almost like there's almost um like a gateway authorization that has to take place. Like that initial like gateway drug where you really bet on yourself that one time and you're so scared and you're so terrified. Mm-hmm. And then you wait for the world to end and everything to collapse, and everything to fall apart. And you open your eyes from squinting and you're like, huh? everyone's fine. This is okay. This is cool. And then all of a sudden yeah. you open up this whole other realm and you realize the possibilities are literally endless. And that's when yeah. exciting. That is. And and I, I don't think that people have to have that big monumental moment. It, it happens to some people, but even like the smaller moments can be amazing too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me move on to these, these other questions that I have, because we'll just, we'll go off on tangents. <laughs> so where do you look for answers and get unstuck when you find yourself at a personal or professional crossroads? Or did, did we already answer that? Is there more, more tips you have? Well, in terms of getting unstuck, I mean, just like you, I'm a voracious reader and I'm just constantly looking around for the grittiest gals that I know, the grittiest women in my life who just seem to know what to say or know what to do. And there's a chapter in my new book, I say it's called um, Caping Up So You Don't Cop Out. And it's about borrowing other women's capes, borrowing other women's superpowers mm-hmm. until you can find your own. And it's not fake it till you make it. And it's not not being yourself. And it's not, it's just channeling like we all have that friend. That 
that knows just what to do in that one situation, whether it's a sales opportunity or fundraising opportunity or dating. We all have that one gal where you're like, she would just know exactly what to do. And you just use it as a starting point just to get you out of the rut, just like a little push out of the mud. And then you're off to the races and you can let yourself shine through and channel through. But oftentimes it's just getting started out of that rut where I'll just turn to turn around me and say, who, who would know what to do right now? And I just borrow that superpower. I really do. I love that. I have, um, I wrote about this in my book too. Have you ever heard of the imaginary board of directors exercise? No, let's hear it. Okay. So this is from um, my friend and colleague, Susan Hyatt had us do this exercise and I knew I had to tell everybody about it because I found it so helpful. And now it's a screensaver on my computer. (laughs) So you basically just make a list of like, if you could have a board of directors, Mm -hmm. Who would be on it? And it doesn't have to be women. Mine is all women, uh, but not necessarily. And they can be characters from a movie like Chacha de Gregorio, or they can be real people like Michelle Obama, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And you have that handy. You either, you know, put it on your phone as your screensaver or your computer, or, you know, you can even, you know, print them out and put them on your wall somewhere where you see them. So you are reminded of the attributes that these people have. And I look at that similarly to what you were talking about, these people in your life that have, um, you know, the, the one person that knows just what to do. I love that so much. So I've heard about creating your own board of directors before, but I love the fact that you're actually tangibly making them within eyes, eyesight, eye view. Um, yeah. I have a friend, um, his name's James Taylor, funny enough. And we were talking about, um, about goal setting. And um, he's one of the people that I would, he's a guy, obviously, but I would channel him when it comes to systems and goals because he's so, he's just mm-hmm. a methodical, one of those who just soak the time blocking in a planner. And you're just like, how? He was talking about goal setting. And I'm like, I'm a post-it girl. I have my post-its all over the place. I have my cheerleader post-it notes, my go girl post-it notes. I have my to-dos. My whole life is just a sea of just post-its everywhere. And he was like, well, what's the biggest goal that you have right now? Like, what's the biggest, scariest one? And I was like, oh my God, launching my new book. He's like, where is that post-it note right now? Like, where, where is it physically in your space? And I looked and it was like the furthest post-it note away from my desk. He was like, you need to make your biggest, scariest, hairiest post-it note within arm's reach physically to where you're sitting every day so that you know that you can actually touch it. And there's this like physical sense of like anchoring on like the goal or the people or just bringing it out of our minds and out of our just awareness into like the physical space Mm -hmm. that I think to your point, just pours gasoline on igniting that manifestation in a way that is so powerful. That's incredibly symbolic. I love that. I put money in various places and it's, you know, sometimes they're $20 bills, but it's mostly like tens. <laughs> I, use, I use them for bookmarks and things like that. Yeah. And it's to remind me, I don't remember where I heard that from. I don't remember if it was Jen Sincero's book or another money book that just to remind you that it's everywhere and that it's within your reach and it's there when you need it. Oh, that's so good. I love that so much. I'm interrupting this conversation to bring you a few words from one of our sponsors. You've heard many of the guests here on the podcast who are licensed therapists, and you know I encourage everyone to go to therapy. I'm proud to have BetterHelp as one of our sponsors because there's so many things I love about their service. When you sign up for BetterHelp, they'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. Their license 
Licensed professional counselors specialize in things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem, and their service is available for clients worldwide. I want you to start living a happier and more fulfilling life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash kickass. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash kickass. And thank you for supporting our sponsors because that in turn supports this show. Talk to us about audacity. So what does audacity mean to you? Because I know that that's like a buzzword among like millennials and Gen Z right now. And it's in the subtitle of your book. So so tell us, tell us what you mean by that. There were a lot of books written about confidence. So I was like, what's like the next step from confidence? What's like the sassier, older, bolder cousin of confidence? And mm-hmm. I was looking at different, you know, you and I both love language and I was looking at different words and audacity is one of those words people are like, oh, you know, the audacity to do this. And it always sounds kind of negative. Um, but when you read the definition, it's kind of cool. I mean, it's it's daring boldly, daring greatly, which is very sexy and romantic and Brene Brown and everything. And we're all like, mm-hmm. yes, we all love to dare greatly. But then there's a caveat. It says, even if it might shock or even offend. And that's when the brakes screech and everyone's like, ooh, well, this is like a cancel culture space. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to, we don't want to like shock anybody. <laughs> like we like the sexy daring greatly part, but not the like caveat that may come with it. When you think about right. the greatest and especially for women, especially for women to your point. Yes. And, and as women like shocking and offending, like we're just not allowed, we're not allowed to really uh-uh. do that. And so this book is about how do you unlock what I call your big deal energy, which is the ticket to being able to operate in that audacious space, because anything you are doing that is big and juicy and sexy and exciting and massive, even if it's a small thing, but it feels big to you, it is going to take a certain level of audacity because when you're taking big actions, you are going to elicit big reactions. And so this book is all about reframing people's rejection or pushback or weigh in or whatever at you, reframing that, reprogramming our good girl, ghosting our inner good girl brain from like, ooh, red light, scary, pause, put on the brakes to reframing that. And actually like big actions drive big reactions. So maybe people's big response is actually a green light. Maybe it's actually a blinking indicator that you're actually finally on the right track to making it happen. So that's what the book's all about. And there's a whole, all these um, different strategies about, around unlocking your big deal energy and what that means and how you step into that. And um, and a big part of that is like, you know, one of the chapters is called um, Your Fears Are Fake News. And talking <laughs> about all of the fake news narratives that we as women particularly, again, spin mm-hmm. for the most part and how you can start to unravel those and rewrite those. Okay, you're speaking my language I love that. And I, I, I love, <laughs> yes, this is, this is dirty talk to me. I also love taking words back and my friends and I have been talking about the word conceited and, and how much, how much I love the word conceited partly because in middle school, um, I don't know if it's the same now, but I was in middle school in the late eighties. That was a long time ago. And can, to be called conceited even in high school was the worst thing you could ever be called. And I'm like, I want to take it back. Like, <laughs> hold on. Let me, let me, do, let me see what Siri says about, about what is the definition of conceited. Define conceited. Excessively proud of oneself. Vain. 
excessively proud of oneself. Interesting. And why not? Like, why not be excessively proud of oneself? I love, I love, love, love that so much. Like, yes, let's have the audacity. And even, even the word opportunistic, like I know that I've used that negatively and, and, you know, describing some people, but then I'm like, why not? Yeah. Attention whores, opportunistic, conceited, audacity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I love where you're going with this because all of these words are, I think they are ways of, external forces, tribes, societies way of trying to, trying to throw off a movement that makes them feel uncomfortable, that makes them feel, I think that their reactions to us using these labels and this language, their, their reactions are really just reflections of how what we're doing is making them feel. So when we're taking up space, when we're making the big move, when we're making the big ask, when we're saying the conceited, audacious, insert controversial adjective here, move, it forces them to look at their own choices and their own life and their own world through a lens they'd rather not. And so, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's that, it, it's this, it's this idea that like, you know, you can either listen to your internal GPS, which I call the inner GPS lady, um, or you're looking for answers externally. You're Googling, you're asking your friends and family, you're copying everyone on Instagram, whatever. I mean, you really have two spaces to turn for a guide, for a compass. And, and I think the thing that's interesting is like, we do, we know that deep down, we know, we know that feeling, you know, the feeling when you're in flow, you know, when you're in line, alignment, you know, when mm-hmm. you are out. You feel alive. Yeah. And you know, yeah. when you're not right. Um, but that's because intuition, our intuition is individual. Like intuition is not a collective experience. <laughs> like, the, like, like, like the, the herd does not have intuition, right? Like you have intuition, mm-hmm. only you. And so it's interesting that we know we're the only ones that can make the call. We know we're the only ones that know the direction to go. We know we're the only ones that are chasing down the goal, the dream, the thing. And yet we still allow the cacophony around us to weigh in with those types of, of get back in your space, get back in your place, get back in your box, limiting adjectives. And it's interesting to call those out and to use your word, reclaim them back. Okay. Yes. And it's all of those things. And it's our, our culture has created um, this conditioning to, I believe, to keep us quote unquote in line. And, yeah. to, and by us, I mean women yeah. uh, to keep us in our own lane so that we can continue to have the way that the system is set up. And it's, you know, and, and it's, it's patriarchy. And like, let me always say, I always have to give the disclaimer, patriarchy hurts men too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but it's, it's that, it's those words. And, and it's funny, I was reading your book, you quote the same Pew research that I did in my book about, so talk about that, that, that they did research about um, certain words and attributes that were looked negatively or positively for men and women. And what did they find? Oh gosh, that was insane. So for your new book, you quoted this one? I yes. love it. Oh my, <laughs> it, was, it was a recent it study. Was, it was like 2018. Yes. And when you read it, didn't it just stop you dead in your tracks? Like you couldn't unread it. And all you wanted to do was like, unknow this was real. This study was saying that in, guys, in 2018, not in 1918, not in 1818. Right. Not in the 1950s. They, were, they literally had these adjectives and it was like, it was like um, ambitious, uh, leadership, confidence, all these like positive mm-hmm. Um, adjectives. And it basically had everyone ranking it from favorable to not favorable. And these powerful adjectives were ranked as favorable for men and non-favorable for women in 2018. Mm -hmm. And then the adjectives, beautiful, kind, compassionate, were ranked as most favorable for women and not for men 
in 2018. Yeah. And it was the word powerful was the yeah. one that hit me the hardest. Totally. Totally. And, and it mm-hmm. wasn't like um, there was no neutral ranking. It wasn't that people were kind of on the fence. It was a like a hard no. It was a hard no when it came to power for women in 2018. And it was a large study. It was like 8,000 people or something that they asked across all demographics, yeah. all ages across the United States, all different regions. Um, it stopped me in my tracks and it just was a great punch in the face reminder that as far as we've come, we have so much fucking work to do. That's yeah. That's one of my biggest points too, is, is it's a, it's a yes. And yes, we have come a long way from women not being able to get credit cards without their husband's permission from being able to vote like those types of things. And there is still so much work to do. Uh, okay. So how can a woman activate their audacity? Like what tips do you have, whether it's in their personal life or their professional life? Well, one of the things in the book that we talk about is what you said earlier, where I was like, you know, you have to, there's usually a groundbreaking, like a gateway moment where you cross it over and then you realize that you actually can, like like that the the Mm -hmm. should is bullshit kind of thing. And you totally pointed that out. And that is exactly what the book is about, is that we do these little um, exercises throughout the book. It's called The Big Deal Diary. And there's these little challenges throughout the book where you just try small, audacious moments just to see what's going to happen. And the most incredible thing is like that it's this, it's this muscle that we are exercising in the smallest ways. Like I tell a story in the book and I'm very clear. I'm like, look, this is not Malala fighting off the Taliban brave. Okay. This is not (laughs) Bethany Hamilton arm eaten by a shark heading back to the lineup tomorrow. Brave. This is like hashtag basic AF brave. And a lot of us only really get medium brave opportunities. Not all of us get stand off the Taliban moments to see what we're made of, you know? So there is a whole part in the book where I talk about the fact that I'm a speaker like you and and I was doing a lot of corporate gigs for a long time and I was wearing these high heels and I hate heels because I walk like a toddler and like I'm going to fall. It hurt. My dogs are barking like 20 minutes in. And so I always wear sneaks to the performance, carry the heels. The minute I get off, reverse, you breathe, you sigh. You're like, why? Who invented these heels? And I know SJP had us all convinced, (laughs) Sex in the City, that it was like the answer with the Manolos. False. I disagree. So anyway, so I was backstage and I was just like staring at my heels. I'm like, I don't want to put you on. I hate you. And my friend, Brian Fanzo, who's amazing, had a challenge in social media. And he said, I want everyone to just step into one small brave moment today and tell me what it was. And when he said step into it, I was looking at the heels and I was like, I don't want to step into those. And so I just, I remember I was backstage and I was like, what if I just like wore these black high tops? Weren't they converse? Yeah. On stage <laughs> with like a bright pink, like J. Crew preppy. This is not a look. Okay. I'm not saying I'm a fashion player to begin with, but this is not a look. And it was a professional, financial, mostly male crowd. And they're so judgy about your outfit and you're already a woman under 40. They already don't want to like you, whatever. So I'm like, I'm doing it. So I just wore the sneakers out on stage and it sounds so dumb, but I was so nervous. Like I was just like, this is not Mm -hmm. okay. You can't just, well, I ran out on the stage and I, it was crazy. I was sweating through my Spanx. I was upper lip sweat. There's a trend here. I'm a sweater. And I was just dying. (laughs) And it was the craziest thing because I ran out on stage. I could like lay down and jump around. And I got my very first standing ovation of my entire speaking career wearing these damn shoes. And it's just a dumb thing to do. But I walked off stage and I was like, oh, just step into who you are. Even if you think people are going to judge you, even if 
it's going to not work or fail or be stupid or not be allowed. Something so dumb as a pair of sneakers unlocked this whole mm-hmm. chain of reactions of audacity moments. And so it's moments like this in the book that we try to uncover for you as the reader. Like what is the pair of sneaks that don't go with the outfit <laughs> that is not appropriate, mm-hmm. but that might potentially unlock. I think I saw a picture level. of you. It looked cute. I mean, oh, they, no. they were at least like some classic shoes <laughs> and not like, some like New Balance, like mall walker shoes. You know, <laughs> I feel like it worked. Thanks, Andrea. You're sweet. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, Mel Robbins has made a, a, a speaking career, a very good one at that, wearing tennis shoes on stage. So. That's true. But hers are like sparkly and cute and they have the long, long they yeah. She rocks it for sure. It's a mood for it's sure. <laughs> but, it, but whether it's sneaks or whatever, the book is about like, what are those like little random things that you just feel like you just, you can't do that, but can you? Mm-hmm. And what might happen? You know? So that's, that's yeah. how a lot of the book is like uncovering what that is for you. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I think we have time for just one more question. So can let's, I want to talk more about this big deal energy, which is, I love partly because it's, I know, you know, a spinoff of another big D energy. Um, so can like, tell it, just tell us about that. Okay. So we know big D energy for those of you who are listening is, is a phrase that has been kicked around the last couple of years, um, which is used to describe men who just have this presence. They have this quiet sense of self, this confidence. They just know who they are. They don't have to brag about it. They don't have to shout about it. Mm -hmm. They don't have to force it. It's very attractive. It's very sexy. It stands for big D-I-C-K energy. Okay. In case you guys don't know, break it down. So big Mm -hmm. deal energy is the feminine version of that. It is unlocking that sense of, I do know I deserve to be here. I will take up space. I don't have to necessarily shout about it and 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 shove about it and and be a foghorn about it, but I know I have what it takes and everyone around me is going to know too. It's a different approach of tackling the toughest crossroads, the highest stakes scenarios, even just the get unstuck little everyday moments like the sneaks that we're talking about. It's finding out ways to unlock that sense of deep self-confidence to the point of audacity um, in a way Mm -hmm. that does not involve learning more and doing more and being more and all the moreness. It's more about unlocking and doing, doing less. It's caring a little bit less, responding a little bit less, worrying a little bit less. It's a reduction versus an addition type of strategy. And um, in the book, it's, you know, I always say like the worst advice anyone could ever give ever. The most ridiculous advice ever is just don't care what anyone thinks about you. It's like, that is insane. Okay. We would never post on social media if we didn't care what anyone thought about us. First of all, mm-hmm. number two, people who don't care what they think about them are narcissists and psychos and sociopaths. Sociopaths. <laughs> that's no, that's true. I'm like, not kidding. That's true. Like, <laughs> of course you're going to care because you're a human and you want the people that you love to love your thing and you have empathy and you want you. Oh, yes. Okay. So what audacity is a about is finding the comfortable place for you where when it really comes down to it, being heard, taking the stand, quitting the people pleasing, authorizing yourself, doing the damn thing when the stakes are the highest, it's about caring more what you think about your decision than what everyone else thinks and how you can do that incrementally in a way that doesn't feel undoable and idealistic, but feels very like today. Here's the thing we're going to try. The big deal energy is it allows you to kind of surround yourself in a feeling of capability, but in a way where you really believe it. And if no one else does, it's not your problem. Right. And that goes back to betting on yourself. Totally. And it's full circle. circle. You did it, Andrea. 
Is this your first podcast? Because I think you have 400 episodes of professionalism under your belt. Because that was brilliant. A little tiny bit of practice. Yeah. I love your show. <laughs> okay. Everyone needs to go out and get your book. You're kind of a big deal. Level up by unlocking your audacity. Where do you want people to go? I know that you're active on Instagram. I follow you over there, but where else? I'm in the club these days. Are you up in that club, the clubhouse? Are you doing it? I am up in the club, yeah. but I, I don't see a lot of my people there because I, you know, I talk to people who aren't entrepreneurs and I feel like clubhouse is a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah, it is a lot of entrepreneurs. That's for sure. So if people are entrepreneurs listening to this, go follow you on clubhouse. Yeah. And if not, I'm on Instagram or AaronKing.com is all the things, all the podcasting and the the courses and the community and the love and the love notes and all the things. And I'm going to be on your show later this year. Yes, I cannot wait. Talking about my book. Cannot wait. We make so much noise. to talk about. We're going to make some noise. We are going to make some noise over there. Everyone, thank you so much for being here. You know how valuable I, I know that your time is. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye, everybody. Hi there. Swinging back by to say one more thing. You know how I'm always giving advice over here on the show and on social media. And a couple of those things is that I'm always telling you to ask for what you want, be clear about it, and also ask for help. So I am taking a dose of my own medicine and I'm going to do that right now. It would be the absolute best and mean the world to me if you reviewed and subscribed to this show, Make Some Noise Podcast, on whatever podcast platform of your choice. And even more importantly, it would matter so much if you shared this show. Sharing the show is one of the few ways the podcast can grow, and that also gives more women an opportunity to make some noise in their lives. You can do that by taking a screenshot when you're listening on your phone and sharing it in your Instagram or Facebook stories. If you're on Instagram, you can tag me at HeyAndreaOwen, and I try my best to always re-share those and give you a quick thank you DM. And also, you can tell your friends and family about it. Tell them what you learned. Tell them a really awesome guest that you found on the show that you started following. Whatever it is, I appreciate so much you sharing about this show. 